0: number 40. Psalm chapter number 40. We, we spent a little bit of time in Psalms the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's a, a beautiful book. Uh, there's several things here that, that we want to look at in this particular uh, chapter, but, but just kind of alluding to a couple of weeks from now, if you want a, a real interesting study, I've spent several weeks on it, uh, but there are about five different Psalms here, right close to chapter 40. Uh, that, that in the introduction, it says to the chief musician, uh, for the sons of Korah. Uh, and if you want an interesting study, go find out why that particular group of people should not exist. They shouldn't be in the Bible. They shouldn't have been on the earth, uh, save God's mercy. Uh, but but look into that. It's, it's, it's a really interesting study. It's a pretty good rabbit hole. So... Don't get into it about bedtime. You want to start that one early in the morning. But we're going to, and that's over in chapter 42. But we're going to be in Psalm chapter 40 tonight. And then one thing that I want to look at is that third word in Psalm chapter number 40. And a lot of times you can look at people, and and after being around them just a minute, you, you can determine a lot about them, can't you? Maybe not. We all judge people. All right? You can determine a lot about them in just a few minutes by the way that they talk, by the way that they act, by the way they, that uh, my, my grandpa used to say uh, that you could tell a lot about a person by the way they shook your hand. And uh, my grandpa up in Mississippi, and he said uh, most of the time they'll do it one of three ways. He said they'll do the, the, the preacher shake your hand where they reach out and they grab you with two hands. And he said, he said that, that, that one you just got to look past. He said and then, then they shake your hand like a woman or shake your hand like a man. And, uh, and, and you know women whenever they shake your hand they, they get just your fingers and then men you want to try to break your hand when you squeeze but you can tell a lot by a person by, by the way that they act whenever they introduce themselves to you by their demeanor you can tell a lot about a person for example I know that Miss Marietta is probably short of patience you know I know that because she don't give us a chance to catch our breath in between verse 1 and verse 2 am I right? you're very right okay I thought Brother uh, he did, so well, I think we're all just a little bit short in that area of the now and then, but, but uh, David, he he said, I waited patiently, and David did something, a lot of people have fussed at David, jump all over David for what he did, and, and, and will question God and why he said that David is a man after my own heart, but but David had a lot of attributes even before he messed up, even before he, he really, before he committed the adultery and murder. David was a man to be spiritually envied. He was a man to look up to. Look up to. He was a man that had a lot of what we shoot for in life. And he said, I waited patiently, verse number one of Psalm chapter 40, for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Uh, before I forget tonight, Miss Michelle texted me just a few minutes ago. They just left the ER with Brother Robbie. He has kidney stones, plural. Uh, so if y'all would pray for him... Uh, throughout the night. Anyway, uh, don't want to forget about that. He he was in pain today and apparently it got really bad. But a lot of times whenever we pray for God for for relief or for blessings or for mercy or for grace in our life, a lot of times it seems like He don't hear us. Do y'all ever feel that way? That that, that you're, you're praying to God and you're asking Him to... God help me, God lead me, God guide me, God give me grace, God give me patience, God help me with, with mercy, God, God I, I, I need you right now, I need you to show up in my life, and, and a lot of times it just seems like, God where are you, where are you at, I know I can't be the only one that's ever thought that, God I need your mercy, I need your strength right now, I just don't think I can make it. And. And then down the road you see, well, God was in it, but he wasn't in it the way that I thought he was. God gave me grace, but he did not give me grace the way that I thought I needed grace. God gave me strength, but it came at a different time than when I thought that I needed it. And in the long run, if we can look back on those situations, we'll see that we have benefited drastically by things happening in God's timing. The problem is we don't want to wait. We want it right now this generation that, that we're raising right now and even the, the generation that's in school in between me and the, the kids in school, the, the whatever generation the alphabet they're known for, the, I call them the instant gratification generation because that's what they are. And, and even my generation, we're the same way. We want everything right now. And you know why? Because they're giving it. They're giving it. I had a guy tell me a while back, he said, he said I sure wish kids today knew patience. Then I said, I agree with you 100%. He said, you know how we can teach them patience? I said, what's that? He said, close the grocery stores. He'll teach them patience. He said, because whenever they have to go milk a cow, they'll learn to be patient for that milk. Whenever they have to grow a tomato, they'll watch it. And, and they're not going to eat it when it's that big. And as it grows and as it grows, they're going to wait for it to turn red before they decide to eat it. And, it. and it'll teach them patience. I said, yeah. But it goes a whole lot further than that. We need patience spiritually as much as, much as we need patience naturally. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined his ear unto me and, and, and he heard my cry. Verse number two, he brought me up also out of a horrible pill out of miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. There was about a year that went by Not quite a year. From the time that that David saw Bathsheba and committed adultery with her to the point that he stood before Nathan. About a year. And David said that for that year, for that period of time, we don't know exactly how long it was, but for that period of time, he said that my sin stood before me. I believe that every day David woke up that he knew what he'd done. I believe that every day that David woke up that he was haunted in his mind, in his spiritual life. I don't believe that he wrote a bunch of psalms during that particular time. And a lot of the psalms that that are even uh, historically, not necessarily in the Bible, but historically dated uh, are dated toward the end of David's life and not toward the beginning. And so it's after he has come through this and after he has come past this, But he said, my sin is ever before me. Meaning that whenever he woke up, it was there. Whenever he went to bed, he was there. Whenever he studied, whenever he tried to praise God, there was always something between him and God. And it was his sin. He said, he brought me up out of this miry clay, out of this horrible pit. That whenever God listened to him, after God sent Nathan toward David, everybody needs Nathan. When God sent Nathan to David, and Nathan said, David, thou art the man. At that point in his life, the whole world knew what David had done. David came and and he even admitted it to himself and to God. And he didn't say that he had sinned against Uriah. David never said that he sinned against the people of Israel. David never said that he'd even sinned against Bathsheba. he said, I've sinned against you, my Lord. And whenever David got to the point that he could repent of his sin, I believe that that is the place that God brought him out of this pit. That God brought him out of this place of of distancing himself. Out of this place of of spiritual famine, of spiritual drought. He said that whenever it was time, whenever God had had worked on me and worked with me, and, and I waited patiently for the Lord and He brought me out of this place. He established my goings. He put a new song in my mouth and even praise unto our God. And many shall see it and fear the Lord and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud. As such, turn aside to lies many, O Lord God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak unto them, they are more than can be numbered. Can we say something like this whenever we're going through a spiritual trial? Let me put it this way. If you're in a sports game and your team is down 30 points, do the cheerleaders start cheering, yay, great job, wonderful, awesome. Do they start patting everybody on the back when they're down by 30 points? It's kind of hard to to congratulate somebody who is lost you're not going to congratulate them on a victory for sure. And so whenever we are going through a spiritual trial, whenever we're going through spiritual trouble, whenever we are in the place in our life that we have to wait patiently for the Lord that is not a place that we often worship from and in the same way that is not a place that we often find ourselves to be to be spiritually motivated to worship, to serve, to read His Word. It's just not. Whenever we find ourselves in a horrible pit and in, and in miry clay, and, and whenever we find ourselves in this awful, awful place, it's hard to wait upon God. It's hard to wait for Him. But Jesus, uh, David said in verse number 6, He said, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. And there's a lot that goes into the little bitty of beginning of that verse. I read this as God didn't want religion from him. That God didn't want him to come and, and, and make sacrifices and make a big show of everything what the law required. He said, mine ears hast thou opened. Burn offering and sin offering hast thou not required. And then I said, lo, Lord, I come. In the volume of the book it is written, I delight to do thy will. Oh my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. This week I've been on the phone, and, and last week I, I actually got in trouble with my boss. I was on the phone a lot uh, trying to reach out to, to churches in our community and even outside of our community and encourage them to participate in the Mile Branch Pioneer Christmas. And, and this is one of the, the verses that one of the, the, the pastors uh, told me about uh, we were standing there talking, and, and I told him, I said, it's it's kind of discouraging whenever you call uh, and speak with brothers and sisters in Christ about an evangelistic opportunity that could benefit so many people who otherwise would not darken the door of a church. And he says, uh, our folks would not be interested in something like that. It's hard to hear whenever they say, well, well our our church don't do things like that. We're not going to participate in it if they're participating in it. I got that one a time or two. I thought that was funny. I had two churches that said that they would not participate in it if they were in the same, I guess, conglomerate as the Pentecostals. They were in the same conglomerate. We have a Catholic church participating with us this year. And they said that we're not going to participate in anything like that if they're going to be there. And I kind of got upset, and I, I I didn't say it. I really wanted to. But do you believe that in heaven there's only going to be missionary Baptists there? I went and met Kara and Tim up at the church Saturday night. And, uh, and we were standing up there talking. I don't even remember what we was talking about. But as we, uh, as we went to leave, Tim called me and he said, uh, he said, do you think you'll, you'll get a head start being a missionary Baptist? We was talking about the rapture. She said, uh, I bought some drinks from Kara. And I said, look, if, if I'm not here, if the Lord comes back between now and then, just give them to somebody else. And she said, well, I hope I'm going too. And so Tim called me. He said, do you think missionary Baptists get a head start? Do you think missionary Baptists leave first and then, and then Southern Baptists come second and then Methodists and then, Methodist and then and everybody else? It don't work that way. Brother Joe Lott preached a message one time. He said, that toe tag is going to get cut off when you go to heaven. That toe tag is gone. That ties on what church you belong to or what denomination you belong to or who your preacher was or or, or who you did or what you did or any of that. It's all going to get cut off. And he said, you're going to be really surprised whenever you get to heaven and there's a Methodist living next door. But he said, the only thing that matters is is do you know Jesus? Have you believed in Jesus Christ for your Savior? And that's the point and the purpose of uh, the, the Life of Christ presentation that we do is to introduce people to Jesus. Anyway, one of the pastors, he brought me to this uh, verse in in Psalm chapter 40. He said, Sacrifice and offering thou dost not desire. Mine ears thou hast opened and burnt offering and sin offering thou hast not required. And then said I, lo, Lord, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written unto me, I delight to do thy will. O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. Whenever we wait patiently on God, perhaps God is waiting on us. Whenever we wait patiently on God, saying, God, where are you? God, why are you not making a difference? Perhaps God is waiting on us to make a difference. Perhaps God is waiting on us to move. Perhaps God is waiting on us to do something. I saw a picture this past week. that said prayer is a very important tool in a Christian's toolbox. to pray for a hold whenever you're propped up on a shovel. And I thought that made good sense. It's wrong to pray for a hold when you're propped up on a shovel. If our desire is to live a life for God and we ask God for patience and then we refuse to be patient, that's our fault. Whenever we ask God for opportunities to witness to others and He gives it to us and our pride overcomes us and we don't, that's our fault. Whenever we say, God, give me patience, and He puts us in a situation and we refuse to be patient. God, help me to read and study Your will, and then He throws a monkey wrench in our life that throws us for a loop and we desperately need the Bible, but we just don't have time for it. We just don't have a desire to read. I've got too much going on. Look at all this trouble I'm in. And yet we desire to be closer to God. But whenever He gives us the learning opportunities, Most of the kids that grow up today, at least some point in their life, they go into the weight room in school. And regardless of what sport it is or even if it's PE, they'll go into the weight room and they'll commence to lifting weights. And most of them don't do it for fun. And most of them don't do it without some sort of physical pain. Because the more weight that you add and and the more you do it, you, you experience this soreness afterwards. And if you bow up too much, you'll experience pain in the middle of it. And the coach will tell you, no pain, no gain. That's what the coach will tell you. As we wait patiently on God, sometimes the lessons that we learn come in the same way. No pain, no gain. Sometimes the lessons we learn come through experience come through experiences that God throws our way for us to grow, for us to learn, for us to there's a blackberry bush I don't remember exactly what the specific variety is but it's it's right at triple the growth rate of the the Virginia blackberry bushes that grow about yay big and the reason that the, the growth rate of it is tripled is because it grows up to three new shoots per old shoot that's cut off so regular blackberry bushes, for those who may not know, they only produce fruit on new branches. They do not produce fruit on old branches. It, it don't happen. Once a branch is, is grown and produced fruit, it's never going to produce fruit again. It's going to produce shoots, and those shoots will produce fruit. But this particular variety, instead of producing one shoot from a cut off branch, it will produce three. And so the growth rate of it is faster. The fruit production rate is faster. But you, you know how you're supposed to get that new fruit? Supposed to prune them. You're supposed to cut them back? Orange trees, satsuma trees, lemon trees, they only produce fruit on new growth. So you're supposed to prune them. Every fall, or no, uh, every spring with the citrus, every fall with the, the the berries, you're supposed to prune them, you're supposed to cut them back. You're supposed to. You're supposed to stress that plant. It stresses that plant. It forces it to. I don't know the biology behind it forces it to work harder to grow. And that strengthens the plant. Whenever someone lays around, sits around, it, it causes muscle, muscles to atrophy. Whenever you don't use them, you are about lose the ability <coughs> to. It. And so what pruning does is it, it forces that plant to grow. And a lot of times what God does to us is throwing us in situations where we are forced to grow, where we are forced to to work where we are forced to fall on our knees and beg him for help where we are forced to go into the Bible I should have written it down but I didn't but uh, as, as I was working Monday I was listening to James Earl Jones he was reading the Bible to me on, a, on an app Bible app and it was one of the books in Psalms I don't remember which one it was and, and it struck me because it sounded like incorrect grammar and it said that, that God's words is God's words is. And it it struck me because the the Bible's not supposed to be wrong. The Bible's supposed to be grammatically correct. And and, and so I paused it right there and I I just got to thinking about that and, and, and God's words is. And a lot of times we'll say that this is God's word. Right? That's what I've said all my life. This is God's Word. And we'll say that somewhere in here is God's Word for you. Somewhere in here is God's Word for me. But at some point, we have to believe that every word in here is God's Word. And at these, this isn't a psalm that David wrote in and of himself, but this is a psalm that David inspired God, uh, God inspired David to write and pin down in the gospel. And whenever he did that, this became the words of God. And so while we read it from the perspective of David, we still must understand that these words come straight from God. And David said, I delight, verse number 8, to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. Verse 9, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation, lo, I have not refrained my lips. O Lord, thou knowest, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy love and kindness, thy truth, from the great congregation. With, uh, withhold not thy tender mercies from me. O Lord, let thy love and kindness and truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart faileth me. And we're not going to dive into this verse very, very deep. But if if you want a very interesting study, this is verse 11 and 12 really is. He said, For innumerable evils have come past me about. Now, this is evils from without. But the, the songwriter says, and I don't remember which songwriter it was, But he said, I'm tormented from without and I'm tormented from within. David uh, David said that the the evils can pass me about from the outside. But, look at the next line. He says, "Mine iniquities, my failures, my trespasses, my sins have taken hold upon me so that I am not able to look up and they are more than the hairs of my head. David was one of the, the greatest men that we can read about as far as his walk with God in the Old Testament. man after God's own heart. A chosen king. A, a king that was prophesied. A king who Jesus said he was the son of. Son of David. To sit on David's throne. A man whose genealogy in both directions comes to Jesus. And he said, "Mine iniquity is as much as the hair on my head." And I don't believe that David was missing very much hair. He would he wouldn't have said this. I believe he had hair. Probably didn't even have it going backwards. He, he probably had a head full of it. He said, "Mine iniquity—that's a bunch of them." For David to get to the place in his life that he could say, "Lord, here is where I'm at. Lord, evil has compassed me about, all around me, but but mine iniquity is on the inside." is what hurts. Mine iniquities on the inside is what I need you to help with. God, have mercy on me for I am attacked from without, from within. He said, this old flesh has taken me up. He said, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. And then be driven backwards to put shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame, saying to me, "Aha, aha." Let all those that seek thee rejoice, be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, "The Lord be magnified." But I am. Let's look at just beginning of verse seventeen right here. He said, "But I am poor and needy; yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help." My deliverer, make no tarrying. oh my God. Now you look at verse number 1 and verse number 17 and you see a very large contrast. You see a man in verse number 1, he said, I waited past tense, patiently upon the Lord. He said, I waited and he delivered. And then as he continues to go down through the verse, he he talks about his, his confidence in God and his obedience to God. And then verse 11 on down through 17. He asked God for His continued mercy. One one place that we don't often see ourselves is in need of God's mercy. We always find ourselves wanting God's help. Always. We always want God's help. We always want God's grace. David said, I am poor and needy. Thou art my help. And my deliverer, and then he says, "God, hurry up!" He said, "Make no tarrying. He said, "Don't get, don't, 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 don't drag around. Make no tarrying. Oh my God! This afternoon, whenever we pray to God, and, and we've been studying on the walk of a believer, and one a very important part of that is, is realizing and understanding that it's all in God's time. That that, regardless of the way things may be coming at us, we can't see the whole picture. It's like in the, I don't remember what country it was in. They, they used to show that uh, that they had these gardens and they had these, what do you call them, bushes? Almost like box bushes that they made the mazes out of. And they would grow way up high. And from inside the maze, you couldn't see where you at. But what they would do is they would have the balcony of a porch, and they would build a tower on the outside of the maze. And from the top of that porch, or from the top of that balcony, you could see down in the maze. We're in the maze. God is on the balcony. Does that make sense? We're in the maze. We can't see what's in front of us. We're just trying to make our way through this crazy, chaotic life. But God is on the balcony watching. And He knows what we're going toward. He knows where we're going from. And He knows when to intervene. He knows how to intervene. And our job is to wait patiently upon the Lord. realizing and recognizing that we are poor. We are needy. In verse number 11, David said, Withhold not thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for thy truth continually preserved me. I pray to God that we could remember those verses, that we could hold them tight, knowing and understanding that God gives us grace, God gives us mercy, God gives us love to live every day, that we should be about His work. He didn't want offerings and sacrifices from David. He wanted obedience from David, and that is what He wants from us. He don't want religion. He wants us to present our bodies. He wants us to present our lives. He wants us. While well, we have a verse of a song, we're going to ask a verse of invitation. If someone has something on their heart, we invite you to come at this time.